And even if you have, like normally you're you're somebody who's optimistic and cheerful and stable. Well, these things, they are so hard that it's gonna it's gonna chip away at your mental health. In today's episode, we have with us Dr. Helen Ofosu. Dr. Helen Ofosu is an organizational psychologist with more than 20 years helping individuals and organizations become more resilient. The word resilient means being able to withstand or quickly recover from difficult conditions. Dr. Ofosu is an accomplished author and coach. She shares solid information in today's episode in a way that is relatable and engaging. You may contact Dr. Ofosu at theresilientcareer.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome, Dr. Ofosu. Welcome to Earrings Off. Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, <laughs> us too. Us yeah, too. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to jump right into the questions. You are described as a career psychologist. What is a career psychologist and is it the same as therapy? Well, it's a good question. Uh I'm one of the rare people who doesn't focus on clinical issues. Mm. So generally speaking, people reach out to me when they're looking for support that's quite nuanced and will help them get ahead at work. So some of the things that I might do are similar to what a career coach would do. So if somebody's trying to get uh, prepared for a high stakes interview, that's one of my sweet spots. But if they're dealing with some of the dark sides associated with some workplaces, you know, uh, coping with harassment, um, discrimination, a toxic workplace, those are other places where I can sometimes step in. Wow. Okay. Okay. So very much work-related. Work-related. Got it. So what first drew you to specialize in organizational psychology? Well, to be honest, I'm a little bit of an accidental psychologist. I say that because when I went to university, I didn't know what I was going to do. So literally when I was in line to add an extra course so that I have an elective, one of my friends said, well, why don't you think about taking psychology as an elective? It'll open doors for you. So that's how I even approached psychology in the first place. I liked it a lot. So I ended up getting a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And Mm -hmm. then when it came time for graduating, well, I knew that as a person with an undergraduate degree in psychology, I may not get that far. Yeah. There are lots of people, (laughs) lots of people joke about, oh, you got a psych degree. (laughs) Yeah, I've got one. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) So at that point, I, I took a gap year and I worked in a research lab and convinced myself that no, I wasn't going to pursue medicine, didn't want to be around that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was always interested in business and entrepreneurship. So my, my final two choices came down to doing an MBA or uh, a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology. 
And as you can tell, I chose to become one of few by pursuing psychology. Mm -hmm. At the time, MBAs were were really hot, very popular. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad I ended up where I did because it's been been good to me. So I understand that you wrote a book on the many challenges of of the modern workplace. Tell us about, yeah? I did. Yeah. It published one week ago today on the 23rd of March. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And essentially what it is, is it's the book that I wish had existed maybe 15 years ago when I was a regular employee uh, doing well at my work, but looking for more. I felt a little bit uh, underutilized and I didn't think I'd be able to hang in there in that organization until retirement. It was a large organization. I was in the public service. Mm-hmm. So of course, there are lots of options in the public service, but I'm not even sure that the culture there was the right fit for me. So I hired an executive coach and he was helpful, but his lived experience was very different from mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the time we also had a big age difference. So for him, He had done an undergraduate degree after being in the military and kind of rode the wave to become an executive in in the federal public service. And he was great, successful, helpful, but his experience was, like I said, very different from mine. Mm -hmm. I had this, I had invested a lot of time in my psychology education and I wanted to figure out something more engaging to do. And ironically, he was, it was that process that helped me identify that actually I was a better fit for entrepreneurship than I was for being an employee. Wow. Mm-hmm. At the time I was a single parent. So entrepreneurship didn't feel like the greatest idea, but right. I bet that was scary. But eventually a few circumstances came together that made it a possibility. So I did it. I tried it 10 years ago and not looking back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. And so I think I missed part of your answer, your, your question, though. Part of what you were asking is basically over these past 10 years of doing executive coaching, career coaching, and HR consulting, there are certain themes that come up again and again and again. Of course, sometimes from an HR perspective, but sometimes from an employee or a leadership perspective. And so those are the things that I talk about. I talk about uh, workplace boundaries. I talk about imposter syndrome. I talk about toxic workplaces. I talk about bullying, harassment, and discrimination, um, various identity factors that that impact many of us. There's 10. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's all 10, but you get a feel for it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Wow. So, but, but doctor, you shared a, a myriad of topics um, and shared about your experience, but who do you think will benefit um, most from reading your book? I think there are three readers who will benefit the most. Type number one is an employee who is concerned about dealing with one of those kinds of career-related challenges, mm-hmm. or they want to avoid them. So that's person number one. Person number two are uh, leaders in organizations or or HR professionals who are wondering, what are we going to do? Because this modern workplace, it looks hard. Yeah. 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 We're we're seeing evidence of the big quit ongoing, even though 
there's a threat of a recession. So people who want to do something to figure out how to improve their workplace culture, they will benefit. Yeah, yeah. The third reader is a bit less obvious. See, in my work, if I'm helping people with really hard things at work, sometimes I know that they will benefit from talking with a clinical psychologist, a psychotherapist, or a social worker who can help them deal with some of the messy fallout associated Mm -hmm. with these hard problems. Mm -hmm. So those folks would be well served if they understood, you know, some of what their clients are going through so that they can be a better support. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good stuff. So um, in your opinion, what's the relationship between work and mental health? Well, I think they're intimately connected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're going through something difficult at work, whether it's harassment, uh, bullying, discrimination, um, dealing with uh, all the disappointment that goes on if you're going through ongoing uh, undermining or scapegoating Mm. or passed over for promotions, all of these things are hard. Very hard, yeah. And even if you have, like, normally you're you're somebody who's optimistic and cheerful and stable. Well, these things they are so hard that it's gonna it's gonna chip away at your mental health, right? Especially mm-hmm. with the whole COVID thing, too, right? Like the hybrid work versus remote work. Just a lot of things that are mm-hmm. playing on our, yeah, are playing on our with us on when it comes to that mental health. And, you know, you mentioned uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, but in my mind, we've had a double pandemic, or at least some of us have had a double pandemic. Say more. Well, ever since George Floyd, Mm -hmm. most Black people for sure, but many racialized people, many underrepresented people have acknowledged more openly and engaged in more conversations about what it feels like to be dealing with systemic and other forms oh. of discrimination at work. Yeah. We were yeah. feeling it before, but somehow seeing what we saw. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it just created an opportunity to talk more openly. Well, it's definitely more acute. And that's an excellent point because you're dealing with the ramifications of COVID and all the other factors that impact that, like um, Teresa was referencing, just, you know, the hybrid workplace, the kids at home, the fact that, you know, you're concerned about your own health. And then this fear we were dealing, we were dealing with, with this unknown impact of COVID and then factoring in, okay, you're in more, you're watching the news, but what you are seeing is making you even more anxious to even be outside to to walk because it's like you're your target and so that all of that was yeah. just it was a lot it was a lot yeah it yeah. is a lot yeah <laughs> i forget who but a few people in in my in my circle of uh mental health folks pointed out that we've all had a collective grief right because now we're going on forget how many years i think this is our third pandemic winter Mm -hmm. and depending on where you live depending on your circumstances Mm -hmm. you have 
stayed in and stayed away from certain activities, certain people. And so, you know, you've kind of lost. Right. I know in my family, we didn't get an opportunity to celebrate my son's high school graduation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he doesn't even know what he missed by not having Frost right. not having parties, not having a normal experience on campus. Yeah. And and that's not even the big losses, right? Like some people have long COVID. Some right. people have lost people. Right. right? So on, on scale, that's that's a lot of loss. A, yeah, that certainly is. And um, yeah. So, Doctor, we often hear about PTSD, mm-hmm. SD, um, post-traumatic stress um disorder in the context, uh, in the context of combat and first responders. But why do you talk about workplace trauma? Well, it was probably about two years ago that I stumbled across a book that just changed how I look at these things. So all of us know that if you've been in combat or even like a car accident or like a terrible Mm -hmm. tornado or something, those things are traumatic. Right. So they call those things big T traumas. And everybody knows that people who go through that need some support in order to, you know, survive and Mm -hmm. and recover. But this book showed me that there are other things that are also traumatic. They call them small T traumas. So that's the pain that comes with being excluded, being discriminated against, being belittled, becoming a scapegoat, any of these things, right? And so... If you, if you put together enough of these smaller insults, the microaggressions are also an example. If you put together enough of these, the impact is the exact same as if you had been through a big T trauma. Wow. And so mm-hmm. that means that almost everyone who is racialized, almost everyone who's a religious minority, almost everybody who's part of a pride group, has been traumatized and probably not just once or twice, probably again and again and again and again. So I always keep that in mind when I'm talking to certain clients to make sure that they appreciate that what they've been through, it's not something to just shake off. Yeah. Yeah. That's in, that's important. And that's a, Mm. that is little T traumas. I mean, that is a, just a good way to put that that lead to bigger, the big T trauma because of so many. So how how do you get leaders to become more informed about trauma in the workplace? Well, there's uh, this one concept that I like to include when I'm offering training for leaders. And I actually also include it when supporting individuals and, and, and employees. But the gist of it is that when you are in an organization where you're you're kind of tolerating and living mm. with some of these things, whether it's microaggressions, exclusion that could be kind of low key or it could be more graphic, more intense, any of these things, they cause most people to kind of, uh, you know, of course they're experiencing trauma, so they have to. There's going to be some kind of reaction. And one of the obvious reactions is to downplay whatever it is you think is causing you to be mistreated. 
So if you're a member of the LGBTQ community, you might conceal or cover up that identity. If you are a Black person who knows that there's a lot of anti-Black racism, well, you might uh, try to talk a different way. You might try to keep your hair a certain way. You might try to dress a way to Mm -hmm. make yourself kind of blend in if you can. You know, you can't really. But, you know, all this covering up, uh, it's it's an interesting framework to consider because when you think about it, People who are covering things up, they are, they're using some of their bandwidth, some of their mental energy to oh, do all yeah. of that. Absolutely. And yeah. so that's taking away from their productivity, their ability to innovate and, and produce. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I introduce it. Yeah. And it certainly does. It takes up a lot of energy when you are unable to be your authentic self in an environment that you have to be in constantly. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, uh, the double pandemic, it hit us differently because all of a sudden we could just do our work. Okay. Right? We, we didn't have to do all this other stuff. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. So I remember like, you know, some months ago when some people started going back to work, that's when they were like, Oh my God, I can't go back. This is too good. I, I need to keep doing this. I can't. Yeah. Can't go back to that old way. Yeah. Right. I, I was just telling um Lou earlier, it's um I'm in a hybrid situation. So um I work a week from home and a week from the office. Okay. But on occasion, like this week, I'm 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 remote, but I had to go into the office. It takes so much out of you to navigate the office because you have to and and I'm an extrovert. This is coming from someone who enjoys chatting with people, but it still takes so much out of you. I I end the day with a lot more energy when I work from home than I do when I have to pack up, pack a lunch, you know, pack a gym bag and go into the office and do my work and then bring all of that back home. You know, they call it the emotional tax. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I get that. But, you know, um, I tell you what hit me when I, Teresa has the hybrid situation, but I retired uh, about three years ago from uh, a position that I'd held for for um, quite some time. And I thought I was doing fine in the position and left on good terms. But doctor, let me tell you, I went down for a meeting about five months ago. And when I drove um under the building into, you know, my old parking space, my stomach was in knots. And I thought, what is that? I just tensed up at the very thought of going. It was like my body was saying, no, we're having a good time. Don't go back in there. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. 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 And you know, I because I remember hearing from psychotherapists and clinical psychologists that they were like literally writing notes for their clients to try to get a workplace accommodation so that they could keep their remote status or keep their hybrid because they just did not think they could manage being in there every day. Mm -hmm. I I could see that. Yeah. It's like you're marinating in something bad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. I tell you, but uh, doctor, we hear a lot about workplace inclusion, but rarely inclusion and trauma. So can you please elaborate on that? 
Yeah, so that's kind of linked to what I was saying before about how when you don't feel included, you, you know, you're basically feeling like these mini traumas, right? All mm-hmm. these small T traumas from being excluded, maybe being undermined, being overlooked, whatever. And all of that, it adds up to trauma. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading in a book some time ago, I think it was Amanda Hart's book. Mm-hmm. And uh, she made the point that none of us will go to a restaurant if we know it's had a failing grade from the health inspectors. Right. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, many of us are going into workplaces that are hurting us, harming us just as much as food poisoning. Just oh, my goodness. That is such a, cuts. That's a powerful point. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. It is yeah. true, but I guess we're thinking we got to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's it. And, you know, yeah. I sometimes think that we, we forget how uh, it's it hard to just say, well, I'm just not going to take it because mm-hmm. you need to find your next right. way to earn an income. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's, it's awful that our livelihoods are often intertwined with yeah. these things that are, are terrible. Yeah. Right. But I, I think some of that probably is why we have this phenomenon of quiet quitting. So people aren't actually leaving, but they're shutting down and only doing what is basic, the basic necessity to get by. Um, and that's their way of coping with the with the small T traumas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I've also heard that there's a trend where racialized people, especially black women, are leaving these organizations and starting their own businesses. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, doctor. So we've reached the last of the questions. So if you would just share a little, uh, a few parting words. All right. Well, I think for me, the one of the big takeaways is that even if you can cope with and tolerate some of the things we've talked about, you need to know that it's going to have an impact on your mental health and your physical health if you if you stay in that too long. So if you can find ways to be kinder to yourself and then find a better fit, that's a smart thing. And uh, in terms of finding me, well, the easiest place is online at theresilientcareer.com. That's the uh, website for my new book, um, How to Be Resilient in Your Career. Facing up to barriers at work. Mm-hmm. Very, okay. very good. Thank you so much for coming on well, our show you. today. And uh, the very best to you on your book. Thank and, you. Yes. Yeah. All right. It's been a pleasure for me. I appreciate you both. All right. Thank, we appreciate thank you. you. Thank you so much. Take good care. And you as well. 